All right, so we've been only one week and a day into this Biden administration, but as Ari correctly pointed out, another way to look at it is, uh, you know, that we have only three, we have less than four years left to go. Uh, 207. In 207. 207 right? weeks. 207 weeks, okay, or whatever. <laughs> <sighs> but the good news is, not that you know sometime during those 207 weeks there will be a transition to a Harris administration and I, I mean I, I the over under on that I don't know what it is but I, I'd say that she will replace him between six months and a year from now and uh, I'm not saying that's a good thing uh, I'm not saying it's a bad thing I just I don't think that there's any difference at the end of the day but she will be the actual president um, You're just saying sometime between six months and a year from now. So it's, it's anyway, it's just as awful. It, it won't be any different from a, from a radicalism point of, point of view. Uh, so the administration, the pirate administration, as I like to call it, because it is a pirate administration, they've, they've taken over the ship and now they demand to, that you call him captain. Um, he is occupying 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. That's correct. He is assuming the powers that we understand to be the powers of the president. But he not only is not my president, but he's actually not the American president. The American president uh, is in exile in Florida. His name is Donald J. Trump. He won by a landslide. Uh, it is hard for anyone to convince me otherwise. Uh, the anomalies are too bizarre. And you, I have to swallow the, the blue pill uh, to believe that crap. And I just don't. I'm too smart. I understand about statistics. I understand about probabilities. And there's no way that uh, with all these anomalies that happened that we've gone over, I don't know, what, 25 times by now uh, that I'm not about to repeat now, uh, that there has to uh, be the only explanation is that Trump won and that they decided to scramble at the last minute. And even the uh, efforts that they had under Dominion Software to kind of uh, fix the uh, fix the the election was such that they had to make it up by just dumping a whole bunch of mail-in ballots. And otherwise, even then, it didn't work very well for them. So that's why you had these Paul Revere-type uh, drives from th this one postal worker, I guess, from New York to Pennsylvania to dump approximately 150,000 ballots. I mean, I, people don't... When you present these things to them, they, th their only response, Ari, is... Okay, you believe in conspiracies. No, I, I believe in fraud. I mean, it, it happens that, that there is fraud afoot, and it happens in almost every other country that purports to have a, a vote for its president or prime minister or what have you. And these people are suddenly, they're just like, it's, it's impossible to, to commit a fraud. It's impossible. You know, nothing. Yeah, I don't know. There wasn't enough to affect the outcome. Right, right. Well, how do you know? Yeah. Oh, okay. How about I rob a bank and uh, say, well, you know, it's not affect, uh, enough to affect your bottom line on your depositors. <laughs> right? That, that's true. That's a good way of putting it. It's, it's uh, just, you know, it's petty theft. It's like the traditional shoplifting that uh, most big chain department stores factor into their budget every year, right? You've got to factor that in. Same sort of thing with the, the fraud here. Okay, no, it's, it's garbage. There, there was too much stuff. But I, I don't want to get into the, to the whole fraud thing because I, I know it. 
I, it's too, too obvious to me. 70% of Republicans feel the same way, if not more. 35% of the general population uh, believes that. That's a big honking matzo ball for the Biden administration. They will, this, that fact will dog them for all the four years of their presidency. They can, they can claim that it's all nonsense and such, but wishing it away will, will not make it go away. Right. And the, the most popular president in history, Joseph Robinette Biden, 81 million votes, cannot get more than a few thousand people to watch his YouTube streams. Okay. And most of those people just happen to have their computer on and they've left the desk and somehow it auto-played. <laughs> right? Well, it's a perfect cover, right, this COVID business, because you can say that the reason why nobody wants to attend anything is because, well, the fear of COVID and such like that. It's a, it's a perfect uh, foil. Like climate change is a perfect foil, right? It, you can accomplish anything you want by arguing that it's, it benefits the fight against climate change. So it's, a, it's this amorphous blob that will always provide an excuse for whatever you want to achieve or do. Same thing with COVID, uh, that that they can somehow hide the unpopularity of what this president uh, is all about. Okay, so what are they doing right away? They're doing everything they can to erase the legacy of Donald J. Trump, who was, of course, the best president we've ever had, uh, certainly the most effective president we've ever had, and the boldest in so many ways. More, The, the only one who comes close to bold uh, as... Uh, Donald J. Trump was, I, I would say two of them, um, uh, Roosevelt, um, not Franklin Roosevelt, but Teddy Roosevelt, who was extremely bold and, and a tough, a tough guy. He didn't give a crap what you thought. And he was a war hero as well and really an extraordinary man. The other one is George Washington, who took the risk of being the first president and have to, had to basically step aside and let the transition happen as the forefathers had envisioned it so that he wouldn't be king and, and had to kind of deal with the, the population that understood that maybe that he could be treated as king. I mean, despite the language of, uh, of how they wanted to go about doing it. Um, they, they, they didn't understand what a president is. Now we have, in hindsight, what, 230 plus years 240 years, we have this notion that uh, a president uh, is a president and that there is a transition of power and such, and it, it, there's a certain fairness in election and so forth. Anyway, so they are racing now to change everything about the previous administration. They are racing to join the Paris Climate Accord. They are racing to, um, to have the Iranian deal back in play. They are racing to destroy the Keystone Pipeline. Uh, to reimpose all the regulations that were previously taken away by the uh, Donald J. Trump administration. Uh, to, I mean, you name it, to, to impose transgenderism upon the military, uh, to allow transgendered males, uh, meaning biological males, to now participate in women's sports. These are the things that they feel are really imperative to pursue, Ari. That this is what they need to do more so than propping up the economy, more so than even handling the COVID uh, crisis, more so than uh, protecting the average American citizen from lawlessness, uh, and more so, of course, than uh, making sure that America is safe and secure as a nation and that she is strong for uh, you know decades to come. No, no, no. The most important thing is making sure that 
men can go into women's bathrooms, they can play in their sports, uh, and that we fight this thing called climate change. That is the greatest danger uh, that humanity has ever faced. That, that's that, so, so you may think as a, uh, just as an American, not even as conservative, as an American to say, why are we wasting time on the issue of whether a man can participate in a woman's sports, right? I mean, that's one of the first executive orders that, that he issued and he signed. Why? Don't we have more important things, you would say? And you'd be right. Let's, let's make that very clear. Uh, law and order and the court system are in total dis- disarray now, but, but we're focusing on transgenderism. How, how, can we, how can this be such a thing? How can that make any sense, you might ask yourself. Well, the reason, my friends, is because that is exactly the more important thing that the left wants to pursue. The, the, the distinction between men and women and the, the destroying of that distinction is far more important than uplifting the economy of America or making America great again or, or, or just strong. That is far more important. You need to understand it's not, these are not just side issues to them. These are the issues. Okay, and, and that's the same thing with the, the gay marriage business. Uh, that's the same thing with the voting restrictions and everything else. Uh, voting the, the, unrestrictions. Unrestrictions, yeah, good yeah. point. And then the, um, the whole notion, you know, you heard Biden talking about how he wants to revamp and redefine uh, racial equality. These, these things are far more important to them. Why? Why? Because they want to destroy what America actually is. They want to redefine it, the the great reset. And what better way to reset civilization, and for that matter, American civilization, than to redefine, starting first with the the roles of of man and woman, right? I mean, isn't that a a fairly basic point? Yeah, that and killing babies, those those are the good starting points if you want to uproot civilization as a whole. Right. They are also changing the whole abortion uh, dynamic again. They want to make it clear that um, it's okay to abort babies uh, at any point. And now uh, Congress is talking about codifying the abortion laws. Uh, Now, by the way, I I actually think that that's probably the right way to go about doing it. That's one of my main beefs with Roe v. Wade is that it never belonged in the uh, United States Supreme Court, uh, and that the reason why the Congress never did anything about it is that they didn't want to have to face the electorate uh, for, you and know... Explain to them why they might run on the platform of, I care about the children, and the voters saying, but you're killing babies. Right. They, they, a, they, they knew that it was a very very unpopular uh, issue, and they, they, would yeah. not, they would not go for it. So that's the reason. But now they're going to be doing that because I guess abortion is such a wonderful thing and that everyone loves it so much that they, that they will support uh, any congressman or senator who uh, advances the codification of the abortion laws. But anyway, that, the point is you would, you would seem to think that these are all, are all side issues. You know, isn't abortion, you know, kind of lo- the law of the land anyway? And why are we focusing on that? Don't we have more important things to do, like the infrastructure of the country? And I'm speaking like, a, you know, just an American, not even as a Democrat or Republican. Don't we want to fix the, the school system? Don't we want to fix uh, our military? Don't we want to fix the uh, you know, law and order, generally speaking? 
Don't um, we want to fix the voting system? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hello? Right. You no. Know, very good point. No, and and, and the, the judicial system, for that matter. Yeah. And I say this as a lawyer. I'm telling you, we've got big problems in the, in the judicial system, and people are treating it like it's a luxury. Like uh, the court system is simply, you know, it's what the what you do when you have a problem, and uh, you know, but that's that that's for all the nonsense out there, and it's they don't even understand that if you don't have a viable, robust judicial system that you can count on, your system, your civilization will collapse. Okay, you, uh, and if you have any doubt of that, go to any country that doesn't respect its own court system, and you'll soon find an economy that is what I call a fruit stand economy, right? You, you will not have the, the big organizations like Apple and IBM and, and Amazon for that matter. You can't have it where contracts are not enforceable. Yeah, because you can't have property value. I mean, don't you think there's a reason for listeners out there, of course, who are intelligent, but for the general public out there, don't you think there's a reason why California real estate is as valuable as it is? It's because there was a good legal system that protected property rights. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, and now, and now you have this uh, new DA for um, for Los Angeles, and he says very openly, uh, almost within the first week of his election in in, in November that he is not going to be enforcing the laws of trespass. He's not going to be allowing, or enforcing any um, looting of stores where the property stolen is less than $900. I've been stocking up at Whole Foods every day. What you do is you just put your meat, the really expensive stuff, on the very bottom, and the check stand people don't notice it. You just walk on out. And All right. All right. I don't. I don't. I don't know about this guy, Ari David. Yeah, I just nice guy. Swear it hurts. One <laughs> pot roast at a time. There you go. So, but the point is that that he's saying all these things, and then of course, no cash bail. You're you're sending this signal very loudly and clearly that the laws are not to be enforced, particularly the the criminal laws, unless you're a white male Christian. That then you know. Yeah. Then, and straight. Yeah. That then it's okay. That then by all means, you know, you need to be arrested right now. Uh, regardless of whether you committed a crime or not. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that is the issue for them. So, so they're sending out these signals. I mean, so you would think as a DA, uh, what's his name, Gascon? Gascon, George Gascon. George Gascon, okay. But he doesn't so, have an accent. That's me adding it. Oh, okay. So he sends out this signal. Why would he do such a thing? Why, why would he announce it publicly? Why not just say to his fellow DAs, his assistant DAs, and say, look, guys, you know, let's focus on these other crimes that I'm more interested in. I'm not interested in trespass. We don't have the, the manpower or the resources to really pursue this, so let's, let's do that. Nope. He has to announce it loudly and publicly to everyone so that you know, people know that they can go trespass on your lawn, maybe even invade your home for that matter, because that's a trespass too, uh, and they won't enforce it, right? What, what are you supposed to do? Oh, uh, you know, I guess you can get your guns, but then, no, you, can't but then you can't even enforce the trespass laws now, and you can't even get your guns. If, if, the, if you brandish a gun in protection of your home, like the uh, couple did in St. Louis, Missouri. And the former DA did here. Yeah, that's a right. good point. Then, then what? Th then you might be found guilty of a crime in and of itself. I mean, uh, anyway, you see how it goes. See, what, what's so frustrating about all this, Ari, is that it shouldn't be this complicated. right? It's actually, we now see how simple uh, protecting a civilization can be. It's not that hard. But what you, there are certain foundational things that you have to have, 
One is a respect for police and legal authorities like the court system. You have to have that. If you are constantly undermining that, that will be a problem. So you have to have enforcement of the laws, generally speaking, as well. That's the, the next thing. If you, that's, that's the number one foundational thing. Next, you have to understand that there are distinctions between man and woman and elderly and the young and student and teacher, uh, parents and child, and other distinctions like that. You have to have that. If you don't, then things start falling apart yet again. Finally, you have to have a reverence for uh, the church and the synagogues and the, the, you know, uh, the religious life, the notion that, that, that somebody, that God is ultimately in charge, that everything else we do is simply mechanical uh, for the purpose of reaching out to, to do God's will. That's what it is. If you don't have an understanding of that, then uh, you know, it, you're, you're depriving people of their sense of purpose. But what we're doing is we are robbing people of the notion of God. We're robbing them of the the notion of any distinctions. And then we're robbing them literally of their possessions uh, and telling them that they can't function as a business. And for that matter, they can expect to be looted if they're a grocery store owner or whatever. Uh, And they can't protect their rights because they won't be able to have guns. They won't be able to. And if they do have guns, then they might be arrested for brandishing a gun. You get the idea. All of this seems to you and me, my dear listener, as so basic, right? I mean, that, don't you find that just these yeah, things when, are basic? When you, you talk about these things, I, 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 my brain goes into a weird kind of simulation mode and think you're just reading, you know, some sort of um, Brave New World or 1984 novel to me. And it's one of, it's like, say, something we wrote as a, our own take on potential dystopian fantasy. The idea that so many of the basic things have just been rejected or ignored or they make some excuse, you know, of uh, an absurd excuse like climate change or racism or whatever they, they've come up with to justify not doing the simple, obvious 2 plus 2 equals 4 thing for preserving what should just be obvious to preserve. Right. There you go. Yeah, it's all about preserving at the end of the day. And, and, and these are basic foundational things. They don't seem to understand, Ari, that, that you have to... I mean, they, they, I think they do understand. That's the point. What, what they're doing is they're dismantling the, the pillars of our civilization and proclaiming that they need to do so in order to advance the civilization. Yeah, it's weird to save it, kind of whatever. Right, which which logically cannot happen. It's uh, they they don't even envision what the the next step will be. It's like Michael Moore. I, you know, we got to destroy capitalism. We got to destroy America. Uh, how what with what shall we replace it? I don't know. We'll figure something. I mean, that's the famous line that he said. And I think that he speaks for the vast majority of Democrats. They don't realize that. Even what you said about math, you, you joked around about two plus two, two equal four. Um, the, the notion that, that that is in and of itself somehow a racist statement. And you, you, you kind of twist your brain trying to figure out how that could possibly be racist. But there it is. Um, and they, they, they got you in a way thinking, you know, second guessing yourself. And censoring yourself every time you, you say anything, because anything that you say will be considered racist, whether, whether it involves race or not. Like, uh, you know, wow, what a, what a pretty sunset today, you know, you might say. And then you'll say, well, that's racist. Well, how, how so? It doesn't matter. Uh, so 
Yeah, so they got you he's... tripping over yourself. You got uh, in every dimension possible, and of course, historically as well. America, you know, started was founded in 1619, not 1776, as we all know it was. Uh, and you just said, "Why are you? Why are you screwing these things up?" It's it's as if, you know, you're going to a house and you want to kind of maintain the house, right? And, and instead, the person says, "No, we we need termites in this house." We need to. If um, you don't allow termites in this house, it's because of your implicit colonialist bias. Right, right, right. We, that's that's what they would say to you, essentially. Right. We also need to set this house on fire. We need to allow um, rodents water damage. rodents into the house. We need to allow uh, you know make sure that there are leaks in the house for water damage, and otherwise, we need to break all the appliances. That's the only way that this system, this house, can work. And you scratch your head and you say, I don't think it's that hard to maintain a house. Uh, you just, you know, every once in a while, make sure that fire alarms, uh, whatever the smoke detectors are, uh, have batteries uh, in them uh, every six months. So you, you you make sure that uh, you have a terminal inspection every once in a while, and so on. It's not that hard. Yeah, and the people who say this stuff, they know it's nonsense. But they know what it takes to preserve a society better than we do because they seem to attack the most important pillars first, if you notice. And then they sell it to the idiots who receive this stuff un- uncritically or un- without critical thinking by saying essentially, if you want to take the house analogy to where it would go with this, is, you know, if there's even one house out there with water damage, it wouldn't be fair if there was ones without. If there was one da- house that yes. did not burn down, well, you know, it would only be fair if they all did. If well, there was only one house with termites, well, it, we must spread termites. Right, it's, it's the equality argument uh, all yeah, over again. Share nothing. Share nothing, yes. And that, that's, that's their idea. And, and it's as if they, and I think they, they, they know exactly where the load-bearing wall is, right, yes. for this huge building that we call civilization. And they found it, uh, and there are a few of them, of course, but I think that the one that they have focused on with lightning precision and laser-like precision uh, is the distinction between male and female. They got it. They figured it out. Because if you could destroy that, that is the crack, the, the pillar that will uh, ultimately destroy everything if you take that one particular pillar yeah, down, I right? I think you could summarize it by saying what what th- what keeps a, a society up. Let's just summarize it because there might be others, but the big ones, faith, family, freedom, okay? Well, if you want to destroy people's faith, lie to them. If you want to destroy people's freedom, oppress them and get rid of the justice system. If you want to get rid of people's family, very simple, get rid of the process of mating. And how do you do that? Get rid of male and female. Yeah. Can't mate anymore. If people don't know what they are or what they plug into or get plugged into by, right, right. that goes away. Well, you know, the cool thing about, about all this, and I say it only as a silver lining thing, is that now that they make you feel guilty about having heterosexual sex, so, so it becomes even more forbidden and forbidden. Ooh, all the more, more all the more fun it is, right? Yeah. So, my gosh, you know, would you like to have heterosexual vaginal sex with me? Yes. Oh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> How would you like to be really naughty and let's watch a romantic comedy, yes. which is a movie in which we laugh while people are having sex with one man and one woman at a time. Ooh, it's like, I you know, know. I, you can imagine, you know, that classic guy with the, uh, the, the, the big trench coat and he's got uh, videos of, of romantic comedies yeah, that, are, that, yeah, that, that are very, uh, you know, 
PG, not even PG or 13, just romantic and funny, and, and that's what they're selling. Anyway, right. let, let's... I got, got when Harry met Sally right here for 100 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's, let's, I, I want to move on because the pillars of society are very important to remember. And it's, it's, uh, you also brought up a, a good pillar, which is, of course, the family, right? The nuclear family in particular. They want to destroy that. that that's part of Atheism Destroys that I'm, I'm yeah. writing about now. And they are going to be picking away at the family uh, in the next, in the coming decade, uh, you will see changes to what they demand uh, you define as a family. You, right now we have the pronoun game, right? You know, how will you, you, you should, you know, make clear to everyone what you prefer to be and, and do not, do not assume that this person who appears to be a man wants to be called a he at all. Do not assume that Mine at all. Mine All right, here we go. And, and likewise with the woman, right? So you, you can't, you know, assume that she wants to be a woman. Never, never mind that she appears to have breasts. Never mind that she appears to have a body shaped like a woman and uh, does not have a package between her legs, right? Like uh, Michelle Obama. <laughs> okay, gee, oh my God. What? You see the, the circumstances <laughs> under which I have to work? You see? I don't, I, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> all right, friends. So... <laughs> don't, don't delete that. No, I, I will not delete it. Really don't worry. Good stuff. All right, that's fine. <laughs> so, but but they're trying to destroy all these foundational things, right? So that they got you second guessing about whether that man who appears to be a man is a man. Uh, so that's one thing. And now, in the future, the very near future, they will say that don't call that a family. What do you mean by family? Right in the same way that you're not allowed to say heterosexual. It's, I guess it's cisgender now, right? That's the new phrase du jour. Likewise, you'll, you'll start seeing language crop up uh, redefining family. Right. It's now yeah. a collection of beings yeah. in a multifamily dwelling. Right. Or, no, in a multi-being dwelling. Or redefining family, whatever that might mean. So a family can be, I don't know, a, a bunch of, uh, you know, two adults or 15 adults for that matter and two children and a couple of turtles. Uh, and, and, and that's a family somehow. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know how it all wraps up. But I do know that you're seeing this rise in not, you, we, we thought it was going to be polygamy. Right? It turns out people are actually not interested in getting married anyway. So why would, why would multiple people be interested in getting married? Right? And especially when they're allowed to adopt without being married anyway. So marriage is a big nothing burger for most people. They're just, and they think it's only a legal obligation that they don't want to take on. Never mind that there are, in fact, many legal rights that flow from, from marriage. Uh, and that, that was the argument for gay marriage. And then, you know, gays promptly decided they didn't want to get married anyway, so... Yeah, and now news about Ellen Page. Do you hear about this? Yes, oh, yeah, it's hysterical. Now getting divorced, and I wrote to our little group when this happened, I said, but I didn't know gay divorce has been legalized. Can you please clarify that? I haven't heard back from any of the legal scholars on yes, this. Yes, that was very funny. But, but, but anyway, but, you know, everything... The things that you will start hearing, okay, and, and this is... Uh, it's it's very frustrating and scary at the same time because I, I make these predictions and then they come true. And I, it's not because I, I'm some sort of clairvoyant. It's not because I'm a genius. It's because I can see patterns developing. How about I'm, because I, it's obvious? And it's, well, okay, yeah, fair enough. I think it's obvious. I do too. I, I think that the patterns are developing themselves. And here here's what you can expect in the, in the very near future. Um, you're going to see... 
uh, partnerships of three people or more, mostly three people for quite a while. It might be five people at at some point. Uh, And the reason for that will be, first of all, why not? Right? They, sex is something that you want to have with many p- different people. They've been told, the young generation has been told that sex is just sex over and over and over again. So, why would you commit to somebody and one person only uh, for the rest of your life? Why, what's the point of that? Uh, this notion that somehow you you have to share your orgasm with only one person, you know, that, that doesn't make any sense. That's like saying you should only have vanilla ice cream for the rest of your life or, or whatever flavor. You like, you know, a Rocky Road uh, peanut butter ice cream? Uh, that's the only ice cream I can have for the rest of my life? No, thank you. I, I do want every once in a while a different kind of ice cream, right? That's the way they view sex. They, why should I have only one kind of, this, this one man, this one woman. And for that matter, why can't I have a woman and then a man and vice versa? You know, I, I, why? It's all about just, ple- you know, pleasing yourself. That's it. So you're going to see this new arrangement, this, these, this polyamory, where the people will have these pods in the same way they have these COVID pods for education and all that stuff, right? They will have these sexual pods where three to six to maybe 10 people, they'll all have an arrangement among themselves, understanding that, hey, you know, we'll just kind of sex it up between and among ourselves. And uh, they, they won't have to be jealous because, you know, after all, it's all about sharing your body and just having fun. And uh, we'll all care and love each other in the same way that, I don't know, you might belong to a, a soccer team. You know, you, you're loyal to your soccer team, right? Uh, or you go to work and you have, uh, you know, a group of 10 or so people who, with whom you work and you're all there for the, the shared purpose of, of making profits. Right. Yeah, team, team building. building. Oh, there you go, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and by the way, they may very well say, look, you know, and it's safe sex, right? If, if you commit to only having, having sex within that group of 10 people, for example, well, then there you, there you go. Yeah, it's you safe know, sex. There's, there's another word for this situation. Crazy? No, no. It's called a sex cult. Because if you look at the communal activities of, say, the Manson family, another redefinition of family, right? Or you look at uh, Nixium, the Keith Raniere situation, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Okay? It's a pod, you know? So isn't it funny that you're talking, you, you sort of are right by half, but right by 200% in the same sense, just from the uh, semantics, that if you take the next step and you throw in the word cult, where you become super, super right on your supposition, it becomes super accurate. Right? Yeah, I, I, th- I and think that's right. Then you call this cult family, which many cults do. Okay, right? so so I don't want to get too far afield from that, but I, I understand. You're talking it. about home, uh, basically out of the box cult activity at home. Well, it's, it's not even cult activity because cult, generally speaking, means that you have one leader who's in charge of everything and you give him everything and you follow his dictates and so on. I'm, I'm not even getting there. I'm simply saying 10 people getting together and they want to have a sexual arrangement about that. And they think that they're cool with that. Uh, and it's going to happen. It's, it's, it's going to be prevalent. It will not collapse as an idea because, and we won't look back on it and say, oh, remember the, the 2020s or the 2030s for that matter, where there was these, these uh, polyamorous relationships were all the rage and, and, you know, kind of the way we look back on the hippie movement, which faded and so on, or disco for that matter. No, th- that one will stick. And the reason why it will stick is that we have more and more godlessness. And the more godlessness we have, the less need 
for a family, the less need for uh, the notion of a future together, the less need for to have kids for that matter. I, I, as I've said many times before, I do not know why an atheist would have any children. Just simply have no idea. And in fact, they, they have children only because it's an echo of the civilization and the generation before them. There's expectations. But you'll see people having fewer and fewer kids per couple uh, going forward as generations come. It will, it will drop off as quickly as people wearing uh, 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 ties and jackets, uh, men wearing ties and jackets in the office. They will not wear formal attire. Or to the ball game. Or no, to the ball game. Yeah, yeah. No, but, but it's even quicker than that because uh, they will suddenly have this epiphany like, yeah, I don't want to have kids. I, I, therefore, I don't want to get married. I, I just want to have sex. I just want to have a lot of it. And what's wrong with that? You know, it's always the what's wrong with it approach. Yeah. Can I point out a counter-argument to this, though, that I think might be? Remember, kind of like the Mike Pence thing. It might be what? Think about this. And, you know, I always, I'm an optimist. But the people who are in charge of our, uh, say, levers of government right now, by very small majorities, I mean, by a minority majority, let's just say, because there is no actual mandate in their numbers, had to steal an election, which means that the general populace and the culture is not going along with this. Furthermore, Trump is not George W. Bush, a Republican that people said, uh, yeah, I vote for him, but it's tepid. No, Trump is a, a sensation. And we have, you know, 80 million people who actually support him, who, who are the voters, let alone all their relatives and all their children. I think there's a gigantic groundswell in the opposite direction. Well, I hope you're right, and I think there and will be. I Wait, think, I think, I, I think there will be. Let me just finish the point real fast. And if you're, if you're worried about atheism being predominant, well, American civilization has shown from time to time that great awakenings of faith happen. And... Great awakenings of faith happen in times of tyranny and awfulness. Right. Okay. So, so that's what that's what happened in the Giuliani moment, as we called it, uh, with with Giuliani taking over New York City and completely flipping yes. it around, which is wonderful. No one would have expected that, at least to that extent, uh, in the '90s. They were just hoping for kind of holding the corruption at bay to some extent. No, uh, Giuliani completely flipped around so that that New York City was a, a virtual paradise from a city point of view. Likewise, uh, no one would have expected the 80s to be the 80s as we think of them. Uh, this country was going to hell in a handbasket in the late 60s and all through the 70s. It was an awful time period where um, it, it looked like the, the civilization was going to collapse, at least in America. And, then and the Soviet and, Union was ascended. Yeah. Right, and it was ascended. So, uh, and then the 80s happened. No, I agree with you. I'm simply saying if we have these particular pillars that are in play, uh, for destruction, that's what you can expect. And godlessness, you know, it, we may very well have a, a reawakening, as you say it, a religious reawakening uh, for God only, only because people will begin to see the necessity of God. They'll finally figure it out. Like, just to ask the question, why is it that this society seems to be crumbling around us? Why does everything that we took for, for granted uh, seem to be fading apart, such as family, such as the notion of having a lot of children, such as the notion of America being a great country and so on. Like, why, why is it all happening? And then you tie to the one, we talked about the low-bearing wall, right? And that is God. If you, cannot have, if you do not have God 
in your building, so to speak, your civilizational building, the building will collapse. It may be a slow motion collapse, but it will collapse. There is 100% no doubt about it. It is a trajectory that is impossible to elude. Think of it like the Titanic, if you've seen the movie at least, and I'm sure it actually happened this way. The, the Titanic hits the iceberg, right? And the, the, what happens to the Titanic? It doesn't go down instantly, but they know that it's a question of hours. And you hear, the, in the movie at least, you see the one co-captain talking to the actual captain saying, uh, we have about uh, two hours left, right? Everything else, though, to the passengers seems normal, right? They, they go about, they're talking and they're whispering at first. Only a few people know that there's something really bad happening and they have to make decisions about how to get off the boat and so forth. That's the way it is with a civilization without God. We've, we've hit the iceberg, as it were, the iceberg of atheism. And it's only a matter of time before this ship sinks. How do you like that for an, for an analogy, right? And unfortunately, it's a perfect analogy. And it will, it will be so quick. The sinking will happen so quickly. The, the pre-sinking, as it were, uh, where you know it's going to happen you know, we'll be able to fool ourselves to think that the, the ship is still aloft and everything is going fine. But then when, the, when it actually starts sinking really deep, then it will happen quickly. So we have to, we have to be very alarmed about this. And what I, what I hope for the reawakening, and I think that's a very good word, Ari, that you, that you employed. I think that what we have to hope for is that even those people who are not so devout, even those people that call themselves agnostics would at some point say, you know what, this whole God business, I don't know what it is, but I'm going to teach my children about it. I think we need to reawaken uh, and, and respect the church again and to re, uh, refocus our energies toward the, the, the churches and the synagogues as uh, centers of civic obligation. And the, everything will flow from there. But they have to have that kind of understanding. We're not, we're not getting there. That's what alarms me so much. And we really need to get back. It's as simple as that. You know, this is, I mean, my, my whole life's mission, folks, is to bring God back into our civilization. I talk about the dangers of atheism. Uh, I talk about how it kills, how it destroys, how it, how it steals Everything that is of value to you or that you take for granted in some way, uh, you know, owes its thanks to, to God. That your notion of, whatever you love, you, you love music, right? I, I love music. The fact that you're alive. The fact that you're alive. works. Well, no, no, but, but I'm talking about things that you value in terms of like just music, beauty, right? As, if you love truth Art, and justice. Food, yeah. Views, uh, all those eyes. things. You, no, 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 I'm not even talking about that. Just I'm talking about things of value, not, not your... Okay, jewelry, yeah, yeah, just, electronics, yeah. everything. The, the notion of creativity, for example. Yeah. Those things, if you think about it long and hard enough, you realize that they mean nothing. They're, they would not exist without God. You, everything traces back, at least in terms of your values, everything traces back to God. We also know that your life, you know, traces back to God, but I'm talking about your values in terms of the things that, that make you get up in the morning, right? The things that, that you look forward to, your, your notion of family, your notion of justice, 
even your notion of morality. I mean, it, it's fascinating to me. One of the YouTube videos that we made, Ari and I made together uh, on my YouTube channel, The Brock Lurie Show. You gotta, you gotta, by the way, check it out, folks, uh, the YouTube channel, Brock Lurie Show. We did one that has not yet been aired, but it's about morality. And I say that atheists are not moral people. And a lot of people, and I've said this before in, in my podcast and otherwise, they, they really get upset. How dare you say it that I'm not a moral person? I'm just as moral as you. And I, and I say to them, where, you get, where do you get your morals? And they, they can't really answer it. You know, some people have From tried Dan to argue. <laughs> some people uh, argue that it's a matter of logic. Okay, well, that's, the logic game doesn't work very well because, you know, your logic and my logic might be very different. Yeah. And I can tell you, as a lawyer and as a litigator who goes into court uh, a lot, uh, there are two sides who have very different senses of, of right and wrong, a very different sense of who's right and who's wrong, yeah, and, a very dis- was right. and a very different sense of logic. Right. And, and Hitler had his own logic, and he thought that he was doing a fantastic thing for the world. He was you know, weeding out all these horrible people uh, who were infirm and not productive to society, and Jews and gypsies and homosexuals and, and anybody who was not Aryan, right? I mean, I don't need to repeat history for you guys, but there was a logic there. And it's very Nietzschean to say this, and it's not a good thing. I don't say that as a, as a compliment to anybody. Nietzsche was somebody who felt that we should all go beyond good and evil, and that, that was literally the title of his book. That good and evil, this notion, is, is so passé. We have to go beyond it, right? But everything is relative. More, there's, it's what they call moral relativity. But I, I demur to that phrase because morality itself is... is it, is a, is a permanent thing. So it's not even moral relativity. It is the notion of anything goes, depending on what you feel for the moment, what your culture decides is valuable, and so on. So we have no choice at the end of the day but to pursue God again. We will hopefully find him yet again. But do we have? how far do we have to go? I guess that's the question. Do we have to go to the point where... Everyone has to protect their, their own house, um, and everyone, you know, no one can trust one another. Uh, you know, every, each man for, his, for himself. As long uh, as you're allowed to do that, that would actually be a better place than we are now, where you're restricted by law from protecting your own house and your own family. Right, right. but, but if, if it's only each man for himself, and then we live in a very, you know, dystopian world just, where everyone is, is terrified of, of everyone else. Uh, no one can uh, enter into a contract or a deal with anyone else because it's not going to be enforced, right? So this is, and lying is acceptable, right? There's, there's no notion of your word. This is powerful stuff, my friends. But we have to go back now. We have to, to re-understand why we are where we are. Why is civilization uh, how, as great as it is, why have we accomplished all this thing, the things we have? Why do we, uh, why do we have the things that we take for granted? Why do you get so insulted when I tell you that you are not a moral person if you don't have God in your life? You, you cannot be a moral person. You cannot be a person of morals. Let's put it that way. You may think of yourself as a good person, but why? Yeah, you're not saying they're an immoral person because they don't have God in their life. You're saying... They're an immoral person because they're an immoral person. And one of the, the 
evidence of their immorality is that they don't have God in their life. Right. It's, it's a fingerprint on the crime, if you will. Right. And I by, to... by definition, you cannot be a moral person because morality comes from comes God. From God. Right. That's as it, simple as that. So if you don't believe in God, then you don't believe in, in the things that, that derive from God. Right. right? And I want to say that our Western civilization had a chance and most of us took the, took up the offer and, and passed the test a couple generations ago. We had the chance to find God in the Nazi gas chambers and in the Soviet gulags. And most of us did. Understand? By, because the absence of God is proof of God. It's sort of the, the anti-shadow of the big thing, well, right? Yeah, we, so the point is, in the, in the depths of the greatest immoralities on planet Earth, we realized the moralities in our own selves to prevent that from ever happening again. And we even said, never again. But now we're on a descent in which so many of our most moral leader people are on the path to take our own civilization to those same gulags and gas chambers eventually. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, Tom Wolfe's great uh, phrasing of it. He called it the great relearning. And unfortunately, we have to do it over and over again. And he meant, <clears throat> when he spoke about the great relearning, he, he meant about the hippies of the 70s in particular because it was a microcosm at the time. Yeah, not learning the lessons of the dark ages from hundreds of years ago, right? Well, but no, I mean, more specifically, he, the, the hippies felt that you didn't need to shower. You didn't need to be careful That's in terms I mean. of sex. Yeah, they didn't oh, learn about disease. Hang on, filth, hang on, all right. Hold on, all right, hold on. They didn't have... They didn't learn about, or they didn't want to learn about uh, how necessary hygiene was and how necessary it was to not have rampant sex with any person that might be on the street. And uh, they, they, they discovered, uh, after a lot of pain and difficulty, oh, yeah, that's why we shower. Oh, yeah, that's why we don't have rampant sex with everyone else, uh, because there are consequences to that. But they had to learn it. All over again, the great relearning, as it were, yeah. about, you know, that they, they learned the hard way. Instead of understanding from history why you don't do such things, why you do have to take care of yourself from a hygienic point of view. And, and that was just, you know, in the 70s regarding the hippies and such. But we, we have to extend it further. People just, you know, don't understand how much they have to thank God for the things they take for granted in their lives. They just, they just have, they just don't understand it. They take everything for granted. Whatever you value, whether that it's, it's a great movie or the love of your family or the love of music or art or the notion of invention and creativity, the notion of justice, all those things that you love so much, they, they wouldn't be there if it weren't for civilization's uh, acceptance and embrace of God the monothe mono mono monotheistic the ethical monotheistic right from the Judeo Christian mindset yeah. and that that is the reason why we are where we are and you take it away then you're then you're surprised it remind and, and this is where I'll, where I'll end because with this joke that I start off with my um, my atheism kills book you know a guy a student he wants to take helicopter lessons and he wants to learn how to fly a helicopter okay so he uh, he goes and he's very very eager. And he always wants to finally do his own, his first solo flight. The, uh, his instructor is not comfortable with that because he hasn't yet put in the amount of hours necessary. But the student just badgers him nonstop. And so eventually the uh, instructor relents and he says, okay, fine. But listen, you got to 
do one thing in exchange, and that is you have to radio in every thousand feet that you climb. You have to radio in and tell me, you know, if you're doing okay. And the student says, "Oh, that that makes sense. Sure, no problem at all." So the big day comes, and the student takes off, no problem at all. He's very adept at this. He loves helicopter flying. He reaches a thousand feet, and sure enough, true to his promise, he radios in and says, uh, "Instructor, everything is good. Thousand feet, everything is good." And uh, instructor is happy about that, of course. Uh, the guy climbs up another thousand feet. And he radios in and he says, uh, 2,000 feet, all is good. I'm getting a little bit cold, but uh, 2,000 feet, all good. All right? And then before he reaches 3,000 feet, the instructor sees something horrific from his vantage point from the ground. He sees all of a sudden that the helicopter blades have stopped whirring, stopped spinning. And, and of course, naturally, the, the helicopter is now descending and it's going straight down to the ground. And it's a horrific scene and it crashes and it becomes a terrible fireball. Miraculously, the student manages to climb out of the wreckage. He's all burned up and everything else. The instructor runs over to him to rescue him. And the instructor says, my God, what, what happened? And the student says, well, I told you I was getting cold up there. So I decided to turn off the big fan. All right? referring, of course, to the helicopter blades. Anyway, so he forgets, I mean, I love this joke because he forgets the very reason why he was up there in the first place. The thing that got him there were the helicopter blades. And now, having achieved his, the height that he wants to get to, he said, I, I don't need this anymore. And so it is with God. We are here. Everything that we enjoy from the beauty to the justice to the, to the music, to your love of family and to, to the notion of, of freedom itself. All those things and so much more all owes thanks to God and, and how we have propelled God in, in our lives and how we, how we made God front and center in our Judeo-Christian civilization. But now... Having achieved it, they say, we don't, we don't need the obligations of God. We don't want to talk about God anymore. Because you know what? It's annoying. It takes time out of our busy day. We'd rather chase our orgasms and other fun things that we want to do. That, my friends, we do at our own peril. And I do not want to descend into that fireball. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk with you next week.